Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from Alice Phoebe Lou, the Menahan Street Band, Black Sisosko and Manchester Orchestra. But tonight we're back in the all new and improved space that is Rx's acoustically treated studio in the suburb of Brunswick in Melbourne, Australia. Certainly looks good, Arik, but does it sound better? That is the million dollar question. And for any audiophiles out there listening tonight, please feel free to run an in depth frequency spectrum analysis profile of this week's episode and compare it to the previous week's. And if there is no discernible difference, please let Arik know via our Instagram page so he can chase up his acoustician for a few thousand dollars back. But seriously, Arik, whether it sounds better or not, um, it's a I'm guessing small concern to you because you've had a couple of wins this week. Uh, so let's not quibble about the unfinished ceiling or the uh, questionable lighting going on in the room. Let's talk about you, mate. So can I say a big hello to my All Music Is Good partner in crime, Eric Bloom. Eric. Thanks, Waza. Thank you for, uh, once again, a wonderful intro. You've really uh, captured the, the spirit of the last fortnight. Um, you, know, I, you know, I guess... Uh, we are. I, I'd imagine we will be under intense scrutiny after that um, intro regarding the acoustics of this podcast. I kind of feel like Matt Redlick might Matt be listening Redlick in and probably listening and run, run this spectrum analysis. I've got a feeling we're going to get a deep uh, analysis from either Matt Redlick or Ryan Munro. Um, <laughs> it is possible, you know, Waza and and uh, and myself. We've uh, we've certainly abed the acoustics and the. Um, the sound production of this podcast, and we, we feel pretty comfortable to say that if there was an award for best yes. best recorded podcast um, in uh, in Melbourne, we might we might be looking good. And you know, the, if if we can hang our hat on that, then then we're in a good position. I feel like we uh, we gave Danny Frugia the um, the fifty eight last week, which was a questionable move, but we're back to the three SM seven Bs tonight, so we're in a good the, place. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so, look, it has been a good uh, good couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we discussed in the last pod that I was doing a studio build that is now complete. Um, and as you can see, there's a bit of work to do on the ceiling, but uh, feeling good so far. There's a mezzanine level. There I is can a say. mezzanine level. Mm. You know, you can go up, the, you know, make it a second bedroom or a study. Mm. Um, and, uh, of course, as I mentioned, uh, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk a little bit about, you know, moving of some sort of furniture. So I've recently moved house. Yes. Um, which tends to be a... You've moved further north. I've moved further north. And, and we're going to actually uh, look at that topic probably a little bit later with our uh, celebrity guest this week. Yes. But, yes, I have moved further and further north. I'm well on my way to... Well, who knows? I guess I'm on my I'm on my way to Coolaroo. Reservoir, I call. <laughs> I'm on my way to Coolaroo. Chemtrails, chemtrails over Coolaroo. Yeah, there's uh there's uh, only a few more stops until I get into Zone Three. Um, but look, I'm I'm doing great, mate. Uh, feeling good. Um, other sort of wins this week. The Bombers had a win, which was pretty big. True. Big. Uh, that's number three for the for the uh, for the year. The Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, and um, that's about it. What about you? What, what's been uh, keeping you busy? Oh, uh, dude. Like, I had a Japanese golden Japanese curry for dinner tonight, which is always happy times. You know when you get the sachet 
out of the packet and you just put it in with all the things and it just tastes like, you know, Japanese chicken curry. Can't go wrong. As in like that with like a two-minute job? No, no, you get the, um, they're called golden curry. Okay. And you get mild, medium or hot and it's like this sachet of, um, you know, like a curry mix, a curry stock. Okay. And you add it in with water, you know, potatoes, onions, carrots, chicken. And then bang, it's it's a happy time. I love that. It's a golden happy time. Um, I bought a, uh, I used to have a Juno 6 like many years ago and I sold it and I always sort of, uh, a bit sort of, why did I sell that for? But I bought um, a JX3P Roland synth this week and I plugged it in at the studio on Friday and it was fucking awesome. Sounded good. So thick. You know, when you do like plug in something and then you start writing stuff that you've never written before like just for the sounds that are coming out mm, and mm, mm. it was just it was doing that so yeah i've got a i've got a new roland jx3p congratulations probably going to get the kiwi mod done to it um Ooh. yeah so yeah kids footy <laughs> today oh, yeah i just, mean i saw that on uh, on your social media so it was a yeah, big yeah. day my son my son turned, uh, played his 50th game today and i had to buy a banner because oh, you have to, is that like a pre-made banner? Yeah. yeah. So you didn't make that at home? <laughs> no, no. Where do you buy banners from? Uh, banners, it's called, It's this place in Carrum Downs that specifically make banners for kids' footy games. And it's like a genius idea because they've put it out there that it's important to celebrate milestones. Important. And so I got the small banner and it was like $135 and then $25 for delivery. Like $150 for a piece of freaking crepe paper. That, that lasts all of a minute. Which lasts a minute. just says, congratulations, 50 games. It's like, what the... F I mean, this is genius. Like, whoever's running this business... It's a racket. ...is killing it. Oh, see, I mean, we should... Uh, I mean, it's a shame that you didn't mention this to me earlier because that would have 100% been the All Music is Good unofficial podcast sponsor <laughs> for the week. But um, look, let's keep that one in the... Uh, in the Teledex, because yeah. I'd like to see a banner. I'd like to buy one of those banners for our 50th episode. Oh, God. We can good. run through your studio we'll run door. Straight That's right. for the studio door. We'll, we'll, get, um, we'll get some celebrities in to hold it up for us. Um, speaking of, who did hold up of, the banner? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I believe there might have been uh, a 397 game Hawthorne player holding up one side of the banner, uh, which was which was nice. But Definitely he, the heavier side. <laughs> He did a good job. He volunteered. He was there, and uh, yes, Silk. Uh, there was there was a there was a. My son wasn't the star of the the photo, which is a bit of a shame. But anyway, these things happen. Um, but apart from that, all was good. All was good. Um, bit of studio time. No gigs. Just we're we're heading into the dark side of the the dark side of the moon. I think when Melbourne winter hits, and mm. like it has been freaking cold. I went to Warburton last night. It's, oh which is in the Danyongs in the hills. That's and like cold. every kilometre I drove, I just gave it an extra notch on the heater on the car. It was cold. Anyway, no one wants to hear about me going to Warburton to a weird party in the hills. Um, let's get on to our, our celebrity guest for the night and, and bring in the heavy hitter. Thanks, Woz. Well, uh, look, each week on the All Music is a Good podcast, we like to uh, invite a, uh, a guest reviewer, a celebrity guest, if you will, to come and uh, discuss all things music and new releases. And um, we wouldn't be anywhere without this celebrity guest. I mean, it'd just be you and me just crapping on. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. So, look, we are we we are very very thrilled and privileged to have with us today, um, one of the busiest men in the Melbourne music scene, and has been kind of 
you know, at that level since as long as I've known him, which would have at least be close to 20 years. One of the best dressed and musicians the be- yeah, as well. Also like, best dressed. Know, he wears a bow tie. Yeah, he does, sometimes look, does look great. It's very impressive. And he's wearing one right now. Um, <laughs> look, uh, you might, uh, you, you, if you've been to a show in Melbourne, uh, you've probably seen him in a band somewhere at some point. Ladies and gentlemen, is our great pleasure to introduce to the All Music Is Good podcast, Mr. Jules Pascoe. Welcome, Jules. Nice, fellas. Thanks so much for having me. Um, tell us, Jules. It's a great uh, honor. It, well, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. it's the honor we, is ours. We, we've, we've certainly, uh, you know, it was one of those things where we were lucky that we didn't have to go for your publicist because um, you should, you know, you, you share you share a room a few a few doors down. So yeah. You know, <laughs> stay in people's minds. You stay, yeah, just stick around. Mind. Yeah, just hang that's, around long that's enough. That's been my gig. Just like, <laughs> well, his schedule's so busy that we had to get him on a Sunday night. I mean, that's the only night he's available. That's so true. He's so busy. What what's it, what is with that? Like, is Sunday night like a quiet night with gigs? Um, well, you know, a couple of gigs before, a couple of gigs after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a window. <laughs> Take us through the bio, dude. Yeah, it's, so, it's so Jules, you know, I mean, I'm just going to read through a couple of things that, you know, I know you've, I'm familiar with you f- uh, in so much as the music that you've done. Obviously, uh, one one of the, the, the members of the Husky Band. Yes. Uh, which uh, actually was our album of the year last year. So always always uh, super curious to kind of hear more about how that was all made. Um, a member of the Jazz Party. Yep. Um, and I believe you just released a we single. We did, a single, yep. How long ago was that? Uh, last weekend. Last weekend. Yep, at the corner. Unreal. How was that show? It was really good. It was really fun. Sold out show. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Did you do the double, the, the morning no, and the night? No. So they, are they running full cap at the moment? It wasn't full cap. Okay. I think it was like half cap. Okay, yeah, it's cool. like 400, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like 400. It's, it doesn't feel as heaving, but really good. Yeah, Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. You don't and have to like get in the way of that pole. Like People can move away from the pole yep, to see the band. Absolutely. Yeah. Easier to sell out. Yeah. You know. Also happy. Yeah. Um, another artist by the name of so there's Ruby Jones. Ruby Jones, yes. whose record you're currently working on, yes, is that right? Correct. And uh, I guess going back through the well, Super Feather. Yep, another, Super another Feather. Band. Are they about to release something? Super Feather just released a record. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, about two weeks ago at the Gasso, we did it. Unreal. Is Micah on the drums for Micah that? Micah is on the drums for that. Unbelievable. They're an absolute legend. And, uh, led by uh, Iske well, Lightspeed Chamber. I th- no, um. Not sure if there's a leader. Okay. I think it's a bit diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You skate. Well, look, I mean, look, spoken spoken as a guitarist to another guitarist. Sure. Of course, you know, look, it's just in our blood to just <laughs> assume that the guitar player is leading the band. But thank you for pulling me up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and Jack Richardson is the other member. Okay, Jack Richardson. Cool. Jack, what does Jack play? Guitar and composes. Yeah. Jack Richardson. He used, to, he used to do like super proggy. Well, like those three are all from Brisbane. Okay. And they do do super proggy. Yeah, cool. Hardcore. That's Sick. in their wheelhouse. Unreal. I'd so say. what night was that gig at the Gasso? That was, it was like, a Thursday night. Yes, because like everyone was like, that was heavy on the socials that okay. night. Everyone good. was there. Yeah. It was yeah. a good time. We had like a light show. Unreal. And um, well, visuals, I think you call it. But yeah, it was excellent. Mm. And then I guess going back through that resume, you sat in with the red eyes. A million years uh, ago? No, I don't actually know if I did. I think I was one of the few musicians in Melbourne who didn't, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sib? Remember, yeah, yeah, remember, yeah. Remember that, and, that um, gig? I currently play with On Diamond as well. On Diamond? Yep. 
We did a fun oh, yeah. gig supporting Emma Donovan the other night. Ah, awesome. It was amazing. Was that a good gig that night? It was, was that like Sora as well? What's on what's Diamond? That? Is that like, what sort of music is that? I guess it's some sort of like arty rock thing, I guess you'd call it. Like it's, you know, like um, Lisa writes the songs and then we make the songs happen and it's not really t- super conventional or something, but you know, th- it's like songwriting and music and how do you make all this work dude like is this is like five or six like, well i don't know. do anything else yeah that's a good start mm. even like flipping your brain across such yeah. different types of music yeah um i listen to a lot of different stuff and i don't know it's just a job you know yeah mm. yeah are you a song a day type of guy like are you in the studio you're working at it all the time yeah like i work at music every day of some sort yeah like uh these days i've what's your process well these days i've been quite busy so you know you have a rehearsal here and there and um it's pretty random it's yeah there's no you know um exact science would you say that like this number of bands would be about your peak amount in one hit or have you had like times where you've been in more bands than what you are (laughs) that's a good question um I'm not sure. I think maybe before COVID, I felt like maybe I was a little bit busier. Too busy? Uh, borderline. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, probably shouldn't say it, but COVID was a slight relief mm-hmm. in some ways, like just to like take a little breather because, yeah. you know, the calendar, you know, it can be a bit full on. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when, um, when, when Locke, our mutual friend yes came to the came to the studio and mr wooden mr wooden and he was doing the build and you you gave us a hand getting in what was it it was the big fucking bass trap over here mm-hmm. um lock looked increasingly more confident when you showed up um <laughs> as someone that's going to be able to like pick something up and maneuver it now oh, I, guess, I thought you were referring to like a bass trap like you know we've got a bass oh, player, like, yeah. it's like, oh, we've got a bass yeah, player basically Jules bass just trap. grabs it and holds it <laughs> mm. um but I know I mean uh, like the question I mean it's, maybe it's a dull question but I'm always curious to know is like you know you're doing four or five nights of rehearsal a week obviously lugging gear around that much How, like is it just you know I know like as I've gotten older the concept of like getting shit in the boot and just doing it just becomes increasingly what the top what the fuck you've got the heaviest amp in the world and you've had the same amp for like 30 years why don't you just get rid of it it's just ridiculous yeah um but you know like you know you got a system in place definitely not i definitely (laughs) do not i definitely do not i don't have a trolley i've got a wheel for my um double bass that i should use more than i do but like generally from the car to the gig it's not worth like putting the wheel on taking it off right but if you're getting public transport to those rare double mm. bass gigs with um backline yeah. then it's <laughs> a lot you know it's a godsend well i mean lock look lock seemed increasingly confident you know obviously you, you've obviously proven yourself yeah some kind of like lifting olympics of sorts or definitely not but i've i've wrangled some things in some cars okay. and out of cars over the years okay. yeah yeah awesome it's one of my skills um we're going to quickly talk about the Husky record. I mean, uh, it's you know we've been lucky enough just to have a few people that have come, kind of come through. I mean, you know, given that it was our album of the year, Matt talks a little bit about the recording side of things, but really curious to know, like, in terms of the writing side of things, like, 
Did it take long to write that record? I think we wrote it over about like about a year. Well, I was only involved in the instrumentals, mm -hmm. obviously. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Gideon Husky and I, and I wrote the instrumentals for that record. Yeah, over the span of about a year. Mm -hmm. um, those guys would come over to my house in Flemington, and we'd just make something up. What was the influences? But did you start off with a, you know, with an idea of what you wanted it to be? That's a good question. Because um, like we were getting heaps of like <clears throat> McCartney ref, like Wings and yeah, Lennon and all sorts of like really sort of seventies obscure. Yeah, I think the things you know we were we were listening. We'd listen to something. I think that was one of the things we'd generally do for is just listen to what people had sort of been vibing on during the week. Like um, Fox Warren, like, or, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think, like, there might be, like, an Unknown Mortal Orchestra song or yeah. something that I was like, oh, this sounds so sick. Yeah. And, um, yeah, generally we would go with the sound, like, you know, I play guitar, bunch of pedals, and we it was kind of sound-driven, like, rather than harmony-driven, like, no one was, like, rocking up going... Man, I love, you know, I love when the major goes to the yeah. bloody whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. you, you definitely feel that. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, I, I should actually know more about music. Yeah, no, 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 I hear you. No, but like, it definitely I'm, I'm sounds with, like, uh, like thinking about just previous releases in the group like that have been more like felt more like a kind of singer-songwriter release yeah. and process. This, yep. this 100% was like a sonic... Wonderland, yeah. basically. Yeah. The Sonic palette was mm. just incredible mm. over the whole thing. And, mm. you know, what? why was that? Was that was that really, was that aesthetic thought about, like, when you went into the studio? Like, obviously, Matt like, had some really sort of strong thoughts about what it should be as well. Yeah, but. I mean, we, like, when Gideon and Husky and I started writing that record, we made, like, we didn't have any idea of what, what it would be or if it would be anything. Like, those guys just... Um, I'd worked on the last record, not in the writing or producing, but in the sort of molding, shaping, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, uh, for this record, I think they were just like, we just need something, we just need something new, like to like get us excited, whatever. Do you want to come and like, do you want to jump on board with the writing? And if we, if we do one thing and it's just not a vibe, we just won't do anything else. But we did one thing and it was a, it was a big vibe. So we did the next thing and the next thing. That's so cool. Just thinking about you know we've talked about you're in multiple projects. I guess jazz party. You do some of the writing of that as well. I don't. I don't do any of the writing. Okay, no jazz writing party. of that. No. Is it Darcy um, does all of that. Darcy and Loretta. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. But like we sculpt things, you know, in, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. in the thing or blah, blah, But those guys write all the lyrics and all Got the it. chords so, and. So, but just think how, like, in terms of putting your hat on, and I guess maybe it's like, you, you know, if you're a pro, you can just have that level of self-control. But, you know, the question that I've got is like moving from something that's like super creative where you're kind of in that space and then you're doing this project that you're a session guy on and this one is a bit more collaborative. Like, do you have any of that little techniques that you adopt to just kind of like pull it in and... Um, I don't know. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just like you go into your musical tradie zone mm -hmm. yeah. and you just like go to work, you know? It's mm -hmm. my thing. You, you know, be there at seven yep. and um, wait around have a, to... You'll have be, a sausage roll and You'll be playing end. by midnight. So <laughs> just like bring a book. Yeah. yeah. And um, oh, yeah, just know the songs. 
Yeah. Do your homework and don't fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't overthink it and I don't do projects that I don't like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I just like, yeah, I don't know. It mm. just happens. Fucking incredible. I love that album. And all the film clips as well that went with it. Like that one. That yeah. Got, is it in Hepburn or was it in Dalesford? We did a bunch of live things with Matt. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Matt was really all over the aesthetic, the visual aesthetics of that. And he really nailed it. And we did a few like live to, you know, the 388 kind of, you yeah. know, um, tape thing in it just yeah just vibing and it was good times all I, around i had a gig on the night that you guys did the chapel off chapel was it yeah how'd that go that was excellent yeah really fun great show like well, it, that, that would have been the first time you would have played those songs live right um no we did us it wasn't the first time it was the first time we played some of them okay um but it was excellent like you could hear a pin drop it's a cool venue. Mm. Yeah, it was a good it was a good way to come back because there was a bunch of husky gigs that got cancelled that we yeah, didn't yeah. do, so it was like it was a return. So does it feel like that that album's because it's been out for what, over a year now, I guess. Is it a year? I guess it's close. Yeah, it came out like you know, last year. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but it was like yeah, in I the say, middle I of lockdown you, kind of So does that feel like you everyone's moving on from it now? Like you're not gonna um, it? Well we're gonna I don't think so. I think it's still got a little bit, yeah. but I think the release was tough. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody knew whether that was going to be a good time to release a record or not. Yeah. And I think what do you reckon in, in retrospect for me, it was not, yep. but what do you do? You can't like, sometimes you just got to get it out and like get yep. it off your chest and because otherwise you can't move on. You can't. Mm. I don't think there's any right or wrong because you're right. You can't. It's not. You can't start another one while you still got stuff. Like I just don't think it. Especially well, you got. You had a similar sort of conundrum, didn't you? Yeah, but I think that we because re we released in November, I think, which felt a yeah, bit sure. different. That was at the end of. Yeah, yeah. So we were sort of starting. There was light at the end of the tunnel, so it felt like it needed to go. But yeah, I just think that middle. Not being able to do the do the launches yeah. and do those little promo-y things. They actually make a big difference if you're a... Agreed. Yeah, especially if you're a Melbourne band. Mm. You need to do those little, you know, the in-store here, the interview there. Just get out there. Yeah. And also, yeah, just for yourselves as well. So the big, I mean, the big question that's been like front of mind for, for me on, you know, this evening is really fundamentally based on um, your new postcode. Okay, and 3072, I is believe. That right? That's 3072. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, so It's um, pretty fresh for both of us. It is quite fresh for both of us. So, Sorry, what's, this is like a bit of like non-inclusive conversation. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm Southside. I know I'm cooler mm. than you, both of you. So, so but I mean, look, this is really, I mean, look, we, spent, we had Danny... Danny um, Fruger on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there was a quite a parochial in spirit um, with between Danny and 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 was like as though I wasn't part of that Southside conversation yeah. because was is kind of like I've the basically mantle. he's sent me into exile like yeah. as though I didn't live in the South for close to thirty five years of my life, but yeah. um, you know as a as as someone that's uh you know part of the three oh seven two club mm -hmm. um. What, what what's it like? What's it like on this uh, on this side? 
Is this the first time this far north? Yeah, I, before this, I was in Flemington. Yeah, for, um, it's good. Like, for, I used to complain about, you know, like half joking, half serious, complain about driving to Preston to rehearse all the time. Uh, yeah. And now uh, I just like drive a roll, little, roll through. quite a, a lot less to rehearsals in Preston. What do you feel about this? the, the vibe on the, on the roads? Is it a bit more aggro? Um, I haven't noticed, have you? Yeah, I mean, I just noticed that like... I think once you kind of like everything's pretty low key until you get like just like past Normanby Road. Okay. And when you get past Normanby Road, like on St George's, that's like when everything just kind of ramps up because everyone's about to go into that chicane into Reservoir. Yep. And you know, if you're not fucking like with a the program, then you like you know. Better I'll step watch off. out. I don't know what you're talking about. No, well you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, you know, I'm enjoying I, it though. Likewise, I think it's mm. great. You know, a lot of um. A lot of great, good, lots of old guys kicking about. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, well, you live in the street with Darcy and Loretta from Jazz Party now. That's right, and apparently, so weird. So get this right, Was yeah. used to live in the same street as yeah, Darcy yeah. and Loretta. <laughs> so All right, we're gonna have to get them in. We probably will. You, you should, definitely should. Yeah, and have a little bit of a uh, who was a better neighbour segment. Mm. That's right. Speaking of segments, yes, Eric. Speaking of segments, it's time to introduce um, our our well. I wouldn't call it legendary segment. It is a segment, and uh, it's called the Instagram Like of the Week. And uh, it's a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account we come across each episode, or between episodes. Um, like, it might be a former tennis prodigy turned heavy metal drummer, um, or it could be a wildlife crusader who married a professional wakeboarder. But look, you can be sure, I reckon, Jules, that someone who will add to our rich and buried Instagram account. We like we follow here at the All Music is a Good Podcast. So each week, Jules, Eric and I and I'm not on Instagram, PS. That's okay, no, that's 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 a good thing because you can still partake in this. Um, so yeah, Eric and and yourself um, will try and guess who the mystery count may be. And look, as we reiterate each episode, it's not about the amount of likes our account gets, it's more about the honor one should and no doubt would feel by having the All Music Is Good Instagram account like their account. You know what I'd like? I'd like just once for one of the accounts we like to follow us back. Um, or, or no, didn't, um, what's the name? No, that, that Paul Chemical place Oh, yeah, that's back. true. Highclaw. Highclaw, Paul Chemicals followed us back. That was very early on, though. It was. That was when we were flying yeah. high. Yeah, it's true. You know, we were, we were the new kids on the yeah, block we and people wanted to know they about us. They commented and it was well. It was great. <laughs> um... I don't know. Have you been on socials recently? I haven't been on at all. I don't know oh, what's I did. going on. I saw on. some interesting shit with Lars. Lars, I think, I think, I think Lars's kid turned nineteen. Did he get was, a banner? No, I was one. Of, yeah, should have. But it was one of those like, oh my god, where did where did all the years go? Yeah, Which, I could probably say they went, they, they they went probably in like a puff of, you know, uppers, <laughs> and um, you know, private jets for Lars. Oh, uh, that's and. Uh, yeah, didn't what was the deal? He has a private jet, doesn't he? Because he stole Matt Damon's girlfriend because he had a right. private jet or something. Anyway, look, this week's mystery guest. I'm just going to go with the clues. Mm-hmm. So in the in the early 1970s, this mystery person became a police officer, and being more academically inclined, um, this person went on to gain his masters and then a doctorate in U.S. criminal law. That's the first clue. Um, he resigned his commission in the 80s to start a small computer company that he turned into a multinational corporation as a corporate success story utilising his contacts in the police and government to help secure contracts. Wow. Okay. 
1994, he entered politics and went on to become party leader and eventually prime minister in 2001. In 2001, he became prime minister of a country. He did. So he's got a he's got a doctorate in U.S. Um, criminal law. Uh, he he owned a multinational computer co- communications company, and he became prime minister in 2001. How um, many countries have a prime minister? Well, who who is U.S. Who is yeah. U.S. Um, I don't know. So it's got to be a Commonwealth country. Much. Okay. Do you want another clue? Yeah. He was ousted from leadership in a coup. A bloodless queue due to issues regarding the sale of his telecommunications company. He sold it and then decided not to pay any tax on it because he was Prime Minister. (laughs) One more clue? One more. Okay. He then went on to buy the Manchester City Football Club um, and now lives exiled from the country um, because he'd been real guilty in (laughs) absentee. And uh, he's due to serve two years upon return to that country. But he continues to have his fingers on the pulse installing his sister as Prime Minister in 2011 while exiled. Um, she was also ousted in the military queue. Okay, well, I mean, it's it's one of the oil people. Is it? Isn't it? I don't know. You're, you're, you're telling Man me. Man City. Owned, owned by Man well, City. Well, Man no, City. no, I think he sold out of Man City. Okay. Okay. Ah, oh, shit. Jules, any ideas? Sorry, guys, I don't know much about the world to be honest. Um, can you just give me give me one more clue? Just throw it out to me. Who? What country was he prime minister of? Okay, I'll, 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 no, I'm not going to say what. Uh, he it was in the southeast region of the world. Oh, southeast Asia of Brunei. He was Bruneian. He's got to be Bruneian. So it was you? Knew, you would have answered this question, right? You would have known who this person was or uh, not? Yeah, well, I generally do know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know a lot about the world. Well, no, I know an, oh, like um, enough about this person okay. and the political history of this country to think that he was relevant. And he's got an Instagram account, so, you know. Give it to us. Okay, so it is uh, exiled former Thai Prime Minister Taksin Shinawat. Wow. So we're okay. welcoming him, Taksin Shinawat, to the All Music Is Good Instagram account this week. And I've, we've never this, I've never heard of this guy before. <laughs> Look at his bio, dude. He's an impressive man. Apart from maybe the uh, the corruption and, and the, the police corruption and you know, all the... Comp- <laughs> computers guy. <laughs> I think it's a valid one. I think, you know, we need to have someone a bit more out of the entertainment industry. It can't all be Tom Selleck and Bindi Irwin and people like that every week. Got to have some, like, clout. Well, that's great, was so. Thanks, Eric. What's what are we seeing on his Instagram page? Anything of note? Every known? week you ask me this. <laughs> I've got no idea. I haven't liked it yet. If I like it, maybe you would get on and and find out that I'd liked it, oh, and yeah, then you know true. who it was. That's true. Anyway, Taxon Shinawat, welcome to the family. All right, let's um let's have a quick break, and we'll come back with the first album of the week.
Okay, so the first album we have for you this evening is by the artist Alice Phoebe Lou, and she has a new album out called Glow. Uh, she was born in 1993. She's a South African singer-songwriter, and she's released three EPs and two studio albums. Uh, Lou spent her childhood on the west coast of the Cape Peninsula in South Africa. Her parents are documentary filmmakers. Uh, she took piano lessons as a child, but learned to play guitar herself. When she was 14 years old, she was fond of uh, trance music, apparently, and started to take uh, photographs from concerts. Um, in 2010, she spent her summer holidays in Paris, living first trans, with her aunt. What, what? Trance concerts? Trans, trans concerts. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be sending my 14-year-old to a trance <laughs> yeah. concert. Would you? I've, been, I've been to a lot of trance concerts. When you were 14? <laughs> trance concerts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you, Ari. All the I time. hear you. She was at a rave, 14-year-old rave. Yes. There you go. She was into rave music um, and and sub-genres of. Uh, she spent her summer holidays in Paris in 2010. <laughs> who knows who wrote this? <laughs> clearly on clearly <laughs> Wikipedia. Clearly. Um, she lived with her aunt, but soon moved to live with a friend and started earning money by being a fire dancer. Uh, having a gap year after graduating from high school. Gap year! <laughs> graduating from high school. Um, in 2012, she returned... What? So this is not making sense. She yeah, went, in 2010, she went and moved in with a friend in Paris? Like, and, but then, she was and still, then she graduated. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she's obviously very mature. Very mature. That French... Look, look during, after the, the, during the gap French. years, she returned to Europe, first to Amsterdam and then to Berlin. In Berlin, she started... <laughs> To sing, I oh, know it's just reading like yeah. Going, she man. started to sing and play guitar. She found out this was more lucrative than fire dancing. Um, after her gap year, she contemplated attending university in South Africa, but eventually decided to purchase a battery-powered amplifier and return to Berlin instead. In Berlin, she performed on uh, SNU barn stations and parks. After one month in Berlin, she played on national television. Wow. In 2014, she self-released the Momentum EP, the song Fiery Heart, Fiery Mind from the EP, featured in the soundtrack of the 2015 film Ayanda. She also started to play in venues after performing at a TEDx in Berlin. I mean, what is this? This is crazy. She started to get offers from record labels. Of course she did, but she wanted to stay independent. Um, she did, I think, a, a live recording at the Funk House. Like we oh, talked wow. about Funk House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who's that? Whose place is that? That's uh, Nils Fram's place. Nils Fram's place. Okay, so I'll read you something from her. Uh, she's talked about the album. She said, uh, Monu Record Glow is a crooner. Mostly love songs sprinkled with punk grunge numbers here and there. Um, I used to avoid writing love songs thinking that the subject matter too overdone or trivial. Then I needed to say something, inverted commas, with song. But this album simply poured out of my heart and my subconscious, and there was no stopping the love-struck nature of them. I started to feel things intensely this year, and I tried to understand what I wanted my songs to do for the listener. I realized that instead of making people think, I just wanted to make people feel. I get that. That's good. And to feel deeply. And for that feeling to be universal across age and background, sometimes love, love lost, and the ways in which these matters of the heart affect one are the most relatable feelings in the world, especially when articulated in a vulnerable or naive way. Without too much ego, putting yourself out there and just saying it as it feels, being as honest with yourself as you can be. Okay, so um, Jules, you brought this album in for us tonight. Maybe you want to kick it off and just okay tell me a bit. What what's your relationship with um, Alice Phoebe well, Lou? And yeah, I um I shazammed it. That was no yeah, way. 
I know. I need a backstory. <laughs> well, you know, I met her in Berlin at uh, the Funkhouse gig in 2000. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure how... The, there's not a hell of a lot of records that have come out in 2021. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. when a bit of... Maybe not a, a lot of, of a, quality records, too, I would say. Yeah, I'm not sure what, like... A, a few records that came to mind when you guys approached me about doing it, I was like, oh, 2020, oh, 2020. Like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. most of the things that came to mind, I realized it actually come out last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I went to look at what had come out this year, I mean, it's, you know, we're pretty far into the year. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't know anything about cycles of, you know, Yeah, yeah. Do you know, releases, do you remember what but, track was the one that you Shazam? That was like, this. I'm in. Yeah, it. it was, um, it was the song Dusk. Dusk. Um, can we play a little bit of it, or yeah, is yeah, it that yeah, how it goes? Yeah. I mean, we can play a little bit, a no, bit no, of it. No, you don't have to. I don't know how this. I'm just. Thing uh, works. I'm just looking. What do you see? think this is? <laughs> I just thought you know a little bit of vibe, like <laughs> yeah, just a little context. It. You know what? Let's just like can play it. We're doing it for review context. Yeah, we're play That's it. fine. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I just heard it. and I just thought this is cool. I actually can, uh, sync it up in post words. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I like the yeah, effect on the vocal. Yeah, I thought too. it was really cool. That sort of tremolo sort of effect yeah. on it was beautiful. I don't know. It just felt good. I thought it was actually this person, Kate LeBon. Okay. Um. Um. And then did you kind of like go straight to the album after that? Yeah, I had to listen through. Like, um, I heard it on that excellent show, Breaking and Entering on Triple R. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, that's an excellent show. Mm-hmm. Props to those people. Um, I don't know. Like, I just thought this is cool music. I don't know. Check it out. And like, then when you went through the actual record, with like, how how did how did how did you? I mean, just to start with, like, are you are you an album guy or are you a song guy? Um, I'm uh, probably an album person. Mm. But to be honest, I don't like listen to that many albums. Mm. Like, I kind of get hooked on a record, mm-hmm. and I just like Love addicted. It. Can't yep. really listen to other things, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, I didn't get hooked on this. Yep. Um, it didn't hook me, but it, I'm, you know, quite picky. Yeah. But I thought, and the, I thought it was a good record. Like the opening track, I thought was excellent. The opening yep. track's unreal. Yeah, I thought that's a really cool way to start a record. Just mm. really simple. You get a feel of the vocal. She's an awesome singer. Like good lyrics and spacious, not overdone. I thought mm. it was classy and cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, you know, by the end it lost me a little bit, yep. tiny bit, yep. but um, you know, at times it picked me up. Mm. Like there was um that dirty mouth tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Got that and one I was like, well. oh yeah, that's that's a banger. That yep. is an absolute banger. Yep. And I, I liked where it was placed. Like totally, kind of like wakes you up. It a hundred percent. Track like, number seven yeah. is just like okay, it's the first time the whole thing mm. just shifts gear. Yeah, yeah. Um. But overall, I just like, I do like the croonery quality to it. I think like, um, yeah, there's just a classiness to it. and It's very confident, I felt. It's confident, spacious, barely ever overdone. Mm. I think it's like, I don't think there's a point in the record where there's too much going on. Yeah. Um, which is a good thing to say about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the notes I had, I put in my phone... I thought maybe it was for like a slightly younger audience than my 37 year old self. Yep. If I want to, you know, just age myself <laughs> yeah, hugely. Yeah, yeah. You um, aged yourself younger than both of us. So thank you. Well, when, when, you know, it's, 
Whatever. It's anyway, definitely made for our. It's definitely made for thirty nine. It's, yeah, it's yeah. 30, oh, it's it's definitely well, basically what you plus. were saying. It's definitely like a thirty nine plus record. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's saying it's either younger than thirty seven or older than thirty seven. Just not a thirty seven. <laughs> got, got, got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Prime number. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was one thing that I thought. I just thought this is really, you know, excellent. Big props to yeah, Alice Phoebe Lou for making the record. Great, you know, well done, and you've done an awesome job. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it just speaks to a slightly younger crowd than myself. Yep, That's what yep. I felt. Okay, I might. Um, maybe I'll go. No, I'll, I think I'm gonna go. All right, That's go, all right. You go, yeah, you go. Cause, like I'm gonna just say, like I just thought it was stunning. Like I loved mm. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, you would. Um, <laughs> like, right, like, like from the word go, I just it sucked me in. I thought like it, it sounded luscious. Like mm. the the sound of the album was, you know, that like recording your lounge room sort of vibe, and that like that banged out right from the from the word go. And the drums were. What do you so, mean by recording your lounge room? It's, it was Lo-fi? so warm. No, no, you know, like it was uh, it was super warm. And there was no sort of verb going on at all. It was like really sucked in, and it was obviously, you know, recorded in a super padded room. You know, they put the wa- the padded cell effect on. You know, you used to have the old Windows um, effects that you had. I felt like it was padded cell, um, and I I love the sound of the bass. Like, yeah, the bass playing is amazing. It's and, incredible. And like, was it? Was it? Would you reckon it's like Hoffner. a Hofner or a Fender P? Like, got to be a Hofner. I don't know. What do you reckon, Jules? To be honest, I didn't think about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I should have nerded yeah, yeah. harder. I'm sorry. That's, I didn't. That's fine. Like it, it's. I thought Hofner, but I'm going. Nah. I think it's like a, a palm muted, like Fender P, just with like some like, you know, some like sponge put in to like get that thwack. But it freaking was awesome. It sounds so good. Um, I just thought the production overall, like from start to finish, was ear candy. Um. So yeah, I, I wanted to say thanks for you for putting this album up. Um, like, you know that moment when you won't knock on this one, but like in general, you know when you have that moment and you go, "Oh shit, I think this is magic." Like, you know that feeling you get yeah, when for you sure. go, "I haven't, I don't know who this is, and now I'm in the album." I'm going, "I love it." Like, I think this is beautiful. It's that, that beautiful feeling that you get Great. when that moment happens. Um, so I thought the first three songs flowed really well. Like they, they flowed perfectly. And then you sort of, I felt that I was in. And then by the time you're thinking we need an up-tempo tune, as you guys said, you know, Dirty Mouth hit, which just, you know, it elevated and then opened the album up to, for that last mm. um, stanza. Um, so I just felt it was really dreamy. And um, I loved it. Voice was angelic, but it was, you know, it was quite earthy. Um, I but it, this- it didn't, I mean, to that, it, it didn't feel like, like it didn't feel too intentional and overstated you know what i mean that that kind of angelic no it didn't feel like she was putting it on yeah um it's kind of reminded me oh in the early 2000s i was really obsessed with this uk artist called like ed harcourt and he had this ep called maplewood and it was a real do diy um recording but um i could just i got that feeling it felt there's a real uk sensibility to the album i thought like it felt like a 70s uk Record. You could walk into an English pub and see a playing piano, and there'd be a trumpet player or a clarinetist. And I just thought the um, the use of the instrumentation was interesting. Um, yeah, the clarinets that were in mm. there, the mellotrons, like the bells and the chimes. Like it was never sort of overdone, but it was sort of there in the production, sort of in the mix. And and I really loved it. So like I didn't think I didn't have any favorite tracks. I just thought it was like a really good album album yeah. album it just flowed i could just see yeah i'm gonna listen to this on a 
Saturday on Sunday afternoon for mm. ages. Yeah, great. So I loved it. Excellent. It's yeah. one of the cool things. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, again, also, likewise over here, massive thank you for bringing this to our attention because this was just completely something I'd never heard of. And uh, and hopefully for those tuning in, that you know, that this can be a bit of a resource to discover some new music. Um, Did you I, think it was made for over 37s or under 37s? I think, yeah. I mean, I, look, I... <laughs> I reckon um, I can totally see this as like a, like a, you know, thirty-eight plus crossover record. <laughs> oh, really? It's got double J. Yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got double yeah. J written contemporary. on it. Contemporary, oh, yeah. contemporary, adult, contemporary, oh, adult, contemporary. Our favorite genre. <laughs> um, I loved it, and and it actually brought up some questions, which I like. I'm actually really glad that you are here in particular today, Jules, um, because you know you, there are, there are albums. You know, Alice Alice Phoebe Lou is the artist. Um, she's a primary songwriter on this record. Um, and like, was and I have reviewed like a, you know, a number of sort of like singer songwriter records. Yeah. Um, you know, most recently Lana Del Rey, yeah, Taylor Swift last year. We were really over them, weren't we? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. We're just sort of like, there seemed to be like this cycle of not pushing the boundary at all. Yeah. But the, the, the question, the thing that, immediately picked up for me on this record was that like there's like you know um you know there are singer songwriters i mean what who was the one um gillen welsh gillen welsh sorry another singer songwriter led um this to me was like a singer songwriter led where the band was a hundred percent like part of the experience of the the thing of the record yep you know what i mean so like the that first track drops in and the bass you kind of feel like the bass players off the leash can do what they what where the where they feel the pocket is. The drums have these kind of cool feels like it's not just it's not all like it's all in support of the song, but it's not under like a kind of autocratic artistic vision. Potentially, yeah. that's kind of where I landed with that. And as someone who's like sat in with like singer songwriters, jam bands, everything did was that something that you picked everyone up? except the red eyes except the red eyes <laughs> yeah. everyone except the red eyes did, did you pick that up at all like, um it's hard to know like i felt like yeah i felt like it was all consistent like the vibe was consistent and you felt like yeah maybe it was a small team i yeah. don't know i think um maybe i read on the thing that there was a bass player and a, and a drummer that helped out right. and and a producer mm-hmm. um i don't know what the team was I, you know yeah it, was, it didn't feel like a session team. It, it felt like it that's was, right. You know. It felt like they were part of her project. Absolutely, not yeah. not just hired guns with a producer dictating terms. Yeah, like it, it really did feel like a band project. I think I read that the producer was her friend, and I and I think that might have been a group of the producers' team. Okay, maybe. right, excellent. Yeah, so for me that was like one thing that I really like. Not, not only does I just love how that assisted or or elevated the music, but it just you know, it brought up some questions for me about process and, you know, how when you, when a singer-songwriter comes in and lets the band go, um, what that feels like, you mm. know. Um, oh, yeah. Thinking about, even like an Anderson Pack sort of project as a singer-songwriter guy who's, he's the main guy, but the band is involved in that project. That would be my assumption at least. Okay, yep. The Free um, Nationals. Sorry, it was? The Free Nationals. The Free Nationals. Um, um, yeah, that's an interesting. Well, maybe that's the magic that you know was is talking about. Mm. Um, who knows what you know? That's yeah, yeah. And I, I, also, like, I don't know what South African releases sound like because I haven't listened to a lot of South African releases. But South African producers, South African. Well, so I right think up, the producer was Canadian. Oh right, okay, yeah. There you go. Sorry, um, it does have a bit of a Canadian 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, is this what South African releases sound like? Because I like them. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't think any of it was recorded. It was all recorded in Berlin, I believe, with a a Canadian producer. Because they flew over, I I believe, from reading. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I should say that's another reason that it was good to have this person... You know, maybe we don't need to hear another North American, you know, 100%. a review of another North American record. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, like a hundred percent. We were actually speaking about that the other day that we're quite, we've been quite mindful that a lot of our lens is like UK, North America, Australia, but there's like these, you know, musical ecosystems that are doing like high oh, yeah. production, brilliant things that are just not coming across our lens. So we'll be cool to, you know, yeah. Thank you again for bringing mm. this one in. Mm. Good times. Um, what did you like? Was there any favorite yeah, songs, Eric? So only when I, uh, I think that was the first track actually. Yep. Yep. Um, awesome production. Love the vocal treatment, and I love the the bass and the drum sound. Um, and I was like, yep, yeah, Hofner and that kind of douche kind of snare sound, which I'm I love. Um, and and I just kind of wrote that I just love the psychedelic element, and it felt like it like the band is completely uh, central to the project. And then, you know, that, that kind of set the tone for the next six tracks. Like Everything kind of lulled into that tempo and that feeling. And the vocal production more or less was exactly that up until Dirty Mouth. And then I was like, you know, so needed that that groove happened and the energy yeah. of the album shifted. I loved um, Lonely Crowd. And then um, the last song of the album uh, called Lovesick, uh, final track of the album, and... It it just kind of um, it almost felt like a tag on like a, oh we need a final track of the album and she started singing in a really kind of weird and interesting way um, and it felt like absolutely like an album track but when we, when I think of album tracks I think of tracks that like sit within the album but this was like an album track that completely sat outside of the album which I know doesn't sound like an album track if you if you know what I mean but no. it just kind of like it felt so. So it's such a great way to end the album, but definitely didn't sound like the rest of the album. Um, so those are my those are my favourites. Okay. Well, should we uh, should we take it to the uh, rating scale? Should we, we take it to the rating scale? Let's establish one for the week, Eric. Thank you, Waza. So each week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we uh, we like to shout out our unofficial podcast sponsor of the week. The unofficial sponsor has no uh, material uh, investment in the podcast. Has, uh, has does not know about the podcast. Uh, it's basically the stuff that we like and stuff that we want to shout out and that can hopefully assist us with how we rate our records. So, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've just used the internet. Oh, go, go, go. And it, um, it says that the drummer played also most of the keys, a human named Ziv Yamin. All right. And uh, also like to... Say that Dave Parry, Dave Parry was right. the friend producer? and producer. Yep, yep, so yep. I'd like to give you guys some airtime. Like, legends. Yeah, yeah. rocking. So two, so two more people associated with the, with the, with the project. Dakless bringing his unmistakable bass lines. There it is. Look out for him. Cool. Well, that, that puts a bit what more What sort of bass did he play, Did it say? It doesn't, but it says that Dave Parry also plays his signature blissful guitar. Okay, so Dave so Parry I, it is, was a, is sounds producer, like, guitar player. Yep. And Ziv Yamin. Yamin is playing bass and... Sorry, drums and keys. Drums and keys. And then there's a human named Daklas playing bass lines. Da- Daklas is playing bass lines. There you go. I love those names. Yeah. All yeah, yeah. Strong names. 
Um, thank you, Jules. So that that uh, that should hopefully assist us in how we rate the record. What we're going to do now is we're going to shout out our unofficial All Music Is Good podcast sponsor for the week, and. <coughs> the unofficial sponsor of this week's episode is Pavarotti and Friends Benefit Concerts <laughs> between 1992 Woo. and 2003. All right. All right. Why are you watching this for? Seriously. So, for those unfamiliar, Pavarotti and Friends was a series of benefits concerts Concerts hosted by Italian operatic tenor Luciano Pavarotti between 1992 and 2003. The late. The late. In his hometown of Modena, Italy. Proceeds from the events were donated to humanitarian causes, including the International Aid Agency War Child and the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. The concerts featured Pavarotti performing with special musical guests, and each concert was released as a compilation album and DVD under London Records slash Decca Records. These concerts ran between 1992 and 2003 in in Modena. Yes. And these concerts overall are our unofficial podcast sponsor. What what about, um, was was it the three tenors or the four tenors? It was the three tenors. It It was Placido Placido Domingo, Domingo, Luciano Pavarotti, and and Jorge Jorge Caceres. Oh, Caceres. And they sung the the brilliant, they sung Amigos Para Siempre. But before that, just... Was that the for, Olympic theme okay, song? Okay, so for everyone's the just got to like, just step actually down. step down, step down, and acknowledge that you know there's shit that came before the '92 Olympics. Yes. For example, Italia '90. Yeah. Right, and in fact, it was the three tenors that sung that theme song. Oh no, yeah. That was a stepping stone. Yeah, that's because right. To me, it was all about. That song, and then the arrow into the cauldron, the 92 Barcelona Olympics. Yeah, look, Amigos... There was before the arrow into the cauldron, and then there was after the arrow into the cauldron. Amigos Para Siempre may well be one of the great songs. And, and the Up thing there that with I, you know, uh, We Are The World. We Are The World. The thing that I absolutely love about Amigos Para Siempre is, um, you know, they, they used um, uh, uh, like a mix of Spanish and Catalan. And you know the phrase one goes, "Amigos para siempre" means you'll always be my friend. Second phrase, "Amigos para siempre" means a love that cannot end, which is like some of the dodgiest phrasing of a number one hit of all time. And no one ever blinked an eyelid about just the fact that like they they just you know they just dropped a syllable on on that phrase and just let it fly. Yeah. Anyways, I got I got a lot to say. Um, what, what's uh, your thoughts on Amigos para siempre? To be honest. <laughs> Uh, I can't really. What we're talking yeah, about? Yeah. You guys have got this. <laughs> okay, so look, basically, I wanted to shout this one out this week because um, a dear friend of mine, Lottie Zambruno, uh, currently residing in Paris, posted this little clip of um, Pavarotti singing with Lou Reed. I wonder if they know if, um, Alice Phoebe Lou's aunt, who they, also lives in Paris. Maybe, but I just thought I'd just add a little sample of this great thing because basically, Lou Reed, the most understated uh, guy in the world, basically does a uh, tribute concert with La Luch, the big pav, in 2003. Wow. And um, i just play a little segment of it because I think it's uh, it's really important to kind of understand how we might be able to rate our records. So here we go. Dark. Mm. 
Lou Reed is doing death stares at Pavarotti. Wow. He's so deadpan, Pav. He's very deadpan. You know, I mean, you know, when, you, when you're all about the execution. Um, so, I, look. I love those towels he wears around his Great towel. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that, you know, it's a really good just opportunity to just really, I don't know how, I mean, just as, as a bit of background, some other collaborators. And I'm actually going to go back this week and watch all of these concerts. I really look forward to them. So, the big Pav. In 92, like, it was Brian Adams, Andreas Wallen-Wader, Nancy Gustafo, Giorgi, and Andrea Bocelli. So that was, like, an early days. And then he started to really branch out. 95, the Pavarotti and Friends concert featured Bono, Meatloaf, Simon the Bon, Michael Bolton, The Edge, Brian Eno, Dolores O'Riordan. Oh, yeah, she died. I mean, this is, like, serious shit. 96... We're looking at Elton John, Sheryl Crow, Eric Clapton, Liza Minnelli, Joan Osborne. Did Tina Marina do one of those? We're going to find out. Let's have a look. Mm. Uh, that was yeah. Then we got we're moving forwards into '98. Stevie Wonder, Celine Dion, John Bon Jovi again. Spice Girls. Okay. Um, okay, we get the gist. No, no, no. Wait. <laughs> um, then we've got this is wild. This one is the one I'm really looking forward to. 1999. He's he's uh, invited his dear friends. To Modena, and that includes Mariah Carey, which makes sense. Ricky Martin. I mean, I want to hear the Pav do "Cup of Life." Um, uh, the Cup of Life. BB um, King, Joe Cocker, Boyzone, Lionel Richie, Gloria Stefan. Oh, you know, two thousand. Eurythmics, George Michael, Enrico Iglesias. I mean, let's get around that. Skunk and Nancy. Oh, do you know what I mean? These guys are fucking around. Tom Jones in 2001, Barry White, George Benson, Anastasia, Whoa. Deep Purple, wow. more Sheba. Oh, great. You know? Uh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas? <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones. All at all, I, all I, of you. I think they lived in Como, probably. They must yeah. have. And yeah. then 2002, he's done it with... Probably George Clooney would do it if he was still alive. He's done it with uh, Andrea Pacelli, James Brown, Grace Jones. Okay, that's and great. And Lou Reed. Great. Let's and then 2003, just relax, Bono, <laughs> Queen, Eric Clapton, Ricky Martin for a second time. Yeah. I mean, so we, that obviously shows us yeah, there's a theme. That, that that collaboration worked. In fact, I think that should be our rating scale for the week um, is how many, well, well, I guess Ricky Martin appeared with Pav twice um, at his Pavarotti and Friends concerts. Yeah. So would two out of ten be our top? No, I don't think so. <laughs> two, two out of two. I think the rating scale should be how many hours will Arik waste watching these concerts this week on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> out of ten, maybe a hundred hours. It could be. I'd probably say. <laughs> how many hours uh, are in a week? Well, just depend how many hours might work. So that's a, that's about that's thirty hours a week. So we could probably <laughs> assume that like twenty-two hours is about max. Okay. I reckon I could burn twenty-two hours on this this week. All right, it's out of twenty-two. <laughs> so twenty-two. Hours, Arik is going to burn on uh, Pavarotti and Friends yeah, this week. That's okay. a lot. Jeez. Okay. I think I'd... Oh, so is that the top? That's the top. Oh, God. Okay. That's the top. That means that I've watched all the concerts, in, you know, including both of Ricky Martin's concerts in full. How, my, how, many, how many concerts were, were there? Well, in total? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... 
And how long nine. does each concert go for? I don't know. Two hours? Yeah. Nine, nine concerts. Let's say two hours. That's 18 hours. Okay. How about we say 20? Split the difference 20 hours. 20 okay. hours? Okay, 20 done. Hours. All right. Well, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. So I really love this album. Um, I'm going to give this. <laughs> I, I'm going to say Arik could waste 17 hours this week. And, uh, of a possible 20. Of uh, a possible 20. I think it's great. It's really, really, really good album. What I would also like to say is that I, I'm really happy that you see me spending 17 out of 20 hours as a positive rather than <laughs> well, going I don't. backwards. I actually don't. I think maybe three would be better. That's right. No, no. Let's stay with this. 17 okay. positive Pavarotti hours. Okay. Jules, what do you reckon? Hmm, I think let's go with 16. Wow. That's a big score. That's a big score. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed <laughs> We played to it. Well, I kind of, in, you know, music is about people and like yeah. being with you guys yeah. makes me like it more. Yep, yeah. yep. That's great. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. But it's a thing, right? Like it, it, it yeah. does sometimes take a conversation and go, fuck, actually, this is legit. Like, why would I not love this? Yeah. 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 Well, there was a lot to like about it. There was that way. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm going to be interested to go back and and put this on two or three more times. Yeah, and see where where does this land? But right at the moment, I felt like there was nothing I didn't like about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, things can always be better, but it was excellent. I thought yeah. it was great. Yeah, yeah. Well done for for those people. Eric, um, look, I'm going to give give this album. I think, a, yeah, a 15 out of a potential 20 hours. He didn't like it as much as you liked it, and now he's giving you a high, he's yeah, a high um, score. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Okay. I mean, um, hard, Mark. You used to be so good at marking. I know, no, oh. no, I'm not. Look, the reason I say 15 out of 20, oh, I. Because you don't want to really commit any more than 15 hours to watching <laughs> this week. <spectrum. laughs> that's right. I mean, I saw it's my. Not about the score. I, looked, I actually looked at my cheek, my Google Calendar <laughs> yeah. this week, and I actually cannot commit more than 15 hours. So that's the top score. That's kind of the top score. Um, <laughs> Um, no, no, okay, so, like, yeah, I, I tend to kind of, like, anything that goes, say, over, like, say, an 18 out of 20 for me is, like, something that I would be, like, this is in, like, the, the three to four albums that I'm going to listen to. Yeah, yeah, for the year. For the yeah, year. Yeah. And this is definitely going to be an album that I revisit, but I just don't see it being, yeah. like, one of those, oh, we have to listen to Phoebe Lou right now. No. You know it, what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. cool. All right. Well, Phoebe Lou. I think that was great. Uh, that's Phoebe Alice, Alice, Phoebe, Alice, Alice Phoebe, Phoebe Lou's album Glow. That's a 15 from Arik, a 16 from Jules, and a 17 from me. We'll be back in a second. Okay, second album we have for you this evening is by the Manchester Orchestra. The album's called The Million Masks of God. So the Manchester Orchestra is an American indie rock band from Atlanta formed in 2004. The group is composed of rhythm guitarist, singer-songwriter Andy Hull, lead guitarist Robert McDowell, bassist Andy Prince and drummer Tim Berry. Former drummer uh, Jeremiah Edmund parted ways with the band in 2010 to focus on his family and running the band's record label, Favourite Gentleman. Um, 
the Manchester Orchestra have released six studio albums. They're signed to independent record label Favourite Gentleman, which is obviously their own Favourite Gentleman Recordings, that is, which is distributed through Sony Music. Uh, the band have performed at festivals such as Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo, Coachella, Riot Fest, Oster City Limits, heaps of them, Eric. So I reckon most days I will put this album on and go, nah. But for some reason, on my way home late on Friday night, I put this on <laughs> and I cranked the shit out of it and I, I was loving Where it. Where were you driving? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I think I was coming down what the freeway. What was going on? <laughs> with just, you that day? Well, well, like, you've got to give some context. Like, where were you driving from? Are I, you Are you okay? We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't give it. Don't give your position away too early, Jules. <laughs> I put it on and I'm just like, going, yeah. Like, like it's sort of like... Uh, you know, when I put that first Foo Fighters song on when we were listening mm, one night, just right like, God, I want to just put that song on again. <laughs> just the one song, though. Not all the other <laughs> yeah, songs, yeah, yeah. just that one song. Um, look, like, it's your standard, what, four or five-piece rock lineup with, you know, the added keys players. It's a bit like the Killers. you got that synth player in the background who's adding that sort of, you know, brassy choral sort of synth to lift the, uh, lift the anthem up in the chorus. Mm. Like, you know, just adds that sort of, um, fills in the gaps. Um, it's sometimes really weird, I think, what stands out to me when I listen to an album at the start. And uh, and I think because, like, I'm listening to so much more music these days with this podcast. So the strangest things jump out. And the first thing I was hearing was that the drums have been recorded in a big studio room. Like, you can hear that we've gone into a traditional studio We've like put the room mics up and we've just like the drummer's hitting it hard. He's giving it a whack, isn't he? Yeah. And like, and then the second song, which is playing in the background now, um, that's that they've dialed it up on that one as well. Um, so like, yeah, we've re- we've moved away from that sort of room mic sound these days, Completely haven't we? Completely. It just off doesn't happen. Yeah. 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 It's not about the room. It's about the see the program drums or the or getting or the it tight. as dead as possible. Yeah. And this was the complete opposite. So I kind of like that. Um, I normally don't like it. It just seems to be back to days of recording in Sing Sing with the like the room. Just like, do we have to have it sounding like this all the time? Anyway, um, so the first track in Audible was like, it's epic. Um, it was like, you know, it's a cross between like, I don't know, I felt, felt like it was a cross between comfortably numb. And you remember that band that was in the 2000s called Filter? Do you remember the band called Filter? No. They were like this... They weren't new metal or anything. They were just, I don't know what they were, but they were sort of like rock, but with electronic <laughs> elements. Um, and I thought that first song was great. And I thought Angel of Death, uh, sorry, Angel of Death, like that's in the background now. That's the one. And that's another epic banger. And for me, like that's the obvious single, like this one playing in the background. But I'm going to hark back quickly to the um, the Danny Ferrugia theory last week, putting California in the titles. I think it should have been called like Angel of California oh, yeah, or Death have, in California or something. And then if, that, if we'd have done that, that song, this song would have been way more popular. Um, California so, Orchestra, maybe? Ca- change, the, <laughs> change, the name, the change the name of the band. <laughs> Look, Kill Timing was the third track, had sort of some Nirvana-esque harmonies. Um, Bedhead was the fourth track, and I think that might be... The single because it had the most plays on Spotify, and I thought that was okay, I guess, but I didn't seem to have the epicness of the first two songs. So about halfway through the album, took a bit of a U-turn, and we've gone from this sort of modern, epic, anthemic rock to almost like a indie folk aesthetic. And so literally from like t- track six, Telepath, mm-hmm. 
to the last track, which the internet, which granted the internet did have some anthemic sort of stuff towards the end of the song, but basically we've gone like six or seven songs um, that were completely different to the first three or four songs. Um, so I was a bit confused by that. Um, look, Arik and Jules, I don't think I'm going to listen to this album again. Um, not that it was a bad listen. I just thought it trailed off after like, you know, a promising driving down the freeway late on a Friday night, promising sort of like, I'm going to crank it up. Like maybe I had, maybe I just like come across Triple M on my, on my radio by mistake. And this is playing. Like, woo. Yeah, all right. Listen to the banger. Two, the two for two segment. <laughs> two for Triple two yeah. by uh, Manchester Orchestra yeah, coming yeah. in live at you. Two for two. Two for two. Um, so look, a couple of anthems. Uh, maybe like they could play those songs in the background of a sports highlight package, mm-hmm. you know, like on a late night sports show or something. Maybe it had that thing. Someone's sports like sports tonight. Like uh, your sports tonight. Maybe like someone's just taking a big wave at like uh, oh, it's Marubra. It's a it's surfer. Definitely a, it could definitely work for a surf. I've oh, done a three sixty. It's an eight point two. Legit. Kelly Slater's going for his or tenth U- world championship. UFC, UFC montage. I'm not feeling UFC so much. Okay. Are you feeling that? <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. Like it was, it was a thing, and like I had a moment with two songs, and then I thought, eh, maybe it trails. So, so again, I wouldn't listen to it. I don't so think, but oh, it's, you know, it's some moments. I got a question for you, was and uh, and then I might hit me. I might go to my review. But um, when we reviewed the Foo Fighters record yeah. a couple of weeks ago, which just by way of context, I was um, I was walking down Sydney Road the other day, just procrastinating to try not um, try not start packing boxes mm. and a friend of mine Jackie Wilson uh, was driving down Sydney Road she's like alright get in the car so I was like that's great <laughs> I will and um, and uh, she had some things on we went for coffee or whatever. she says oh you know um, you should listen to my partner's new music and, um, and I listened to it it was awesome And but I uh, digress and I was like oh man like some of the things he's doing is like reminiscent of the new Foo Fighters record and she's like you know, secretly, I was like, I fucking love the Foo Fighters. I'm like, oh my God, you're going to love this record. So, pop- so then we basically pulled over on Sydney Road and just listened to Foo Fighters' new just, record. Just in that the car. one song? Oh, yeah, yeah. Waiting on a War. What oh, a no, no, Waiting on a War was terrible. It was the first song that was the good one. Uh, they're all good. Anyways, <laughs> but the point is, um, when we reviewed that record, yeah. we were kind of lamenting that, like, it's really hard to find a rock and roll band yeah. um, that's not full of 50 year old men you know what i mean like there's no young rock and roll bands because these guys would be close to in their 40s for sure you manchester orchestra yeah because okay. they, they formed in 2004 so you'd imagine it could be like yeah like 30 37 they're not they're not, they're not it's not it's not dad rock <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like they may all still be i'm singing. pretty sure it's dead it's dad right? rock <laughs> There it is. So, wrong example. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. It's of a different time. It's of a different time. But I guess my my, the point being is like this kind of music in our Melbourne world is a dying breed. Like, look, it it had the holy holy vibes. uh, Definitely at times. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still being done. It's like how how current is it? Um, possibly not current. Mm. At the moment, um, you know, in a popular context, but you know, yeah, everyone does their own thing. Everyone there's subgenres of genres, and this is a genre. So, what would you call this? Um, I'd call it pop rock. I'd, well, what, what, what do you call it? Christian rock. Christian rock. Oh, it is totally. Rock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you call the killers? Like, it, it remind me of the killers, basically. 
What's yeah. that? I don't know. Is that it's rock? Like pop rock. Pop, pop rock. rock. Yeah, pop yeah. pop. It, it is pop it, rock. It, yeah. It, there is a. I mean, they are. They're a Christian rock band, right? Am I right? That's, I. That's my theory. What's yeah. His, what's his name? Flowers. Something um, like that. Let's have a look. And, uh, but, Mask you know, of God. Yeah, oh. and Angel of Death. Angel like of Death. Like a pretty, uh, pretty First Testament. Yeah. Manchester <laughs> Orchestra. <laughs> Not that you know much. Of, oh, no, you know a bunch about that. I, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, only know, I only know the first one. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's hard to say. Look, grew up Christian, but I don't think, I don't think they... Uh, Identify. Been, I don't think they've been claimed by a church, but you know, who knows? Anyways, um, <laughs> haven't been claimed. Well, you know, <laughs> um, let's get to my review. Yeah, sorry. Um, so certainly a shiny sounding record, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, my my first feedback was like vocally, um, Michael Stipe, REM kind of influences, which is like. Like if you were to say if you were to like be an artist in Melbourne, and like you're like yo Jules like I got this new singer in this band he's fucking dope he's got this Michael Stipe REM vibe I'd be very excited okay right <laughs> Jules would be excited but like I just like I think in in like in like our kind of <laughs> I love Michael Stipe <laughs> right but like in our scene I feel that like this kind of, that kind of voice um in a in like a Melbourne music making context like. If we like, I mean, you could go like. There's not enough. <laughs> come on, come at me. Come on, come no, I agree. I agree. Like I've been, we've been thinking about this. Like you know, the, that sort of, um, what what is it? Not a ten, like an alto, like a an alto sort of male voice is yeah. not a thing in Australia anymore. Like I mean, you think of like like John Farnham, or not that John Paul Young, all these guys with these, like even maybe like Bon Scott, like these higher sort of rock voices. They don't. It's not really a thing anymore. No. No. But that, um, but, but I think Jules is certainly uh, throwing down a case that uh, he's going to be opening the office of male alto voices. No, I yeah, <laughs> I like Michael Stipe. But okay, regardless, I just like his vibe and REM yep, and his yep. songwriting is excellent. So yep, legit. Um, yeah, it's not a voice preference. Okay, all right. Okay. So we're, this is getting this is getting is controversial right yeah. now. This is getting very controversial. Um, so look, for me, it's like an RE, like I kind of got like an REM kind of um, vibe on the on like the vocals and the kind of like sort of arena rock element of that. Um, but the, the, what what came to mind when I listened to this record was like it's, a, it's such an American sound. Yeah, and. I think here in Australia, we often think as though our, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to open this to the floor, but like in a musical sense, we'll get down with like American music, say before like something that's like continental Europe music, right? Like it just, it, like- Well, more there, programmed to listen to that because there's we've a been presumption, fed more of it. Right, there's a presumption that a lived American experience might potentially be closer to a lived Australian experience. And this is and it got me thinking that like when I listen to this music, it just feels so like Midwest American um, that I actually could not position my lived experience into anything sonically or lyrically in this record. And it made me go, that's kind of fucking weird. I wonder like, does Manchester Orchestra have a following outside of the US? And because I, I can't imagine this crossing over to an English market either like it's just an american record you know mm. um so that was just like an observation um 
Look, I I I fucking hated his voice at the alto range. Mm. I just I just found it annoying. Um, and then Killing Time dropped or Kill Timing, sorry, was uh, I think it was like mid 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 album, and he dropped his vocal tone down much lower, mm. and I and I really liked that, and I thought the, the groove was really cool. Then like Telepath happened, and I had that similar feeling on the, around the vocal, and I thought that was cool. Um, what changed? It totally changed. The whole, the whole, yeah, his whole way of singing changed, and similar to what you said was like it went from like this stadium rock thing to something that was more reminiscent of like Iron and Wine and Fleet Foxes. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and then in my head, I'm like, well, I can live with that. Like, I can, I, I'm into that sort of stuff. Mm. And then, um, but here was a really interesting moment for me. Is like I, I was on their Spotify and I, I was like, like search similar artists, and I looked through the list. And I didn't know a single one. Like I, I did the same thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and so it made me just kind of go, this is like, so, like it's just very much not a part of my life. Mm. And associated acts in the Wikipedia page, I was like, I don't know any of your associated yeah, acts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm um, fine with that. Yeah. So, you're, fine, you're fine with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So look, it, like, not, not, not my bag. Um, maybe I should listen to this in a, in a Mazda. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, a station wagon, a, ma- a, ma- a ma- family ma- wagon. Maybe a massive family wagon would have given my my listening experience a deeper vibe, but um, not into it. But like, and I mean, I, w- I don't want to like patronize and say I can respect what they're doing. Like, I have no respect for what they're doing. Really? I, I, I just, huh. just like for me, it's just I just like it just sounds like like there's a lot of money involved here, and I I'd love that money spent. I'd love that money. Uh, spent on different things. That's mm. just, you know, okay. my take. Mm. Jules. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I I would agree with that. And, you know, I I just think there's enough, like, college kids in North America that will just like sustain on this. this. will just love it, so I don't mind hanging shit on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was trash. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... Was there anything that you could pick that, like, you were like, but I can, you know, I can get this or... Well, I mean, it was all well played. Yeah. And like the sing, you know, like it was in tune and uh, like- I love this album. It was in tune. Like um, like the engineers did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah you know, it was on, you know. Like they didn't fuck it up. Shiny record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got through. And, you know, like getting through a record is hard. Yeah, like yeah. it's not easy to like finish a record and like release it. Yeah. That's a an achievement. Yep. They alone six of them. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're still going- after six albums, that's an achievement enough. Yeah, that could give him like that's a, that's a ten. That's a ten that's straight that, off. That, that's ten out of twenty, <laughs> like to start with. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, it does really feel to me like um yeah, Christian rock, thinly veiled, if at all veiled. Okay, Trump, Trumpist, Trumpian, potentially. I I reckon you. It could, could definitely could, be a theme song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, could be, be th- that could definitely be I mean, a he, Republican. Convention. He's looking for people to play because there wasn't that many who were. Wanting to be associated mm. with in there for mm. a while, we're, we're there. Yeah. What do you think about the uh, the name Manchester Orchestra? I mean, it's a little bit deceptive. Well, it? it's very deceptive. You yeah. know, I I don't get there's, it. Like, there's nothing orchestra it about it's it. It's not an orchestra. They're no. not from Manchester. And there's nothing UK about it. I didn't think so. Mm. Is there a? Uh, it's is confusing. There a t- is there a town in Atlanta no. called Manchester? No, no. Oh, I, you looked it up. Well, I looked on their Wikipedia page, right. <laughs> yeah. and it just says, "Oh, you know, like it's a uh, Manchester's." Had all these cool bands come out of there, and it's like a, you know, it's got a good rep. Is that what they said? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so I think they, they were trying to get a bit of rep. So if you Google Manchester Atlanta, the only thing that comes up is Atalanta, 
as in the football club, oh. playing Manchester oh, United. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't think that's... I think we've closed the case on that one. Um, yeah, yeah, look, you know, it was... I don't. I don't know why you bought. I mean, why? Why did you bring this album in this week, Eric? I look. I just mean, I. You know, it was. It, it, you know, I just went on to Metacritic just to see what was what was popping on twenty twenty one releases. Yep. What was the rating? High. Yeah, yeah I. I you read know? a review too that gave it four out of five. So I'm like, Whoa. you know, and yeah. and like I, I gave it like I, like I chucked on the first track and I was like, this is completely nothing that I would ever listen to. So we may as well review it. You yeah. Know, okay. Like I, like yeah. I mean, you know, there's an entire world of music out there that. Is not that you know the shit that we get down to, but yep. that, that's what the podcast is here to do. Is just you know, I think it's we, might, we, might, we might have you know who knows we might have a really massive Christian rock listenership, and we want to you know. Hey, and hey we might have liked it. Um, look, as Jules said, Sonically was on point, recorded well, good playing. Um, I, I like two of the songs, like for a period of time, mm, but know? enthusiastically so. I, mean, I, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah I had a moment, it. yeah, sure, that's okay. Um. Yeah. Don't hold it against me. I don't. I don't. No. No. It's. It's. You know. It's a compliment to your <laughs> open-mindedness. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. very polite of you to say that. Um, all right. So well, should we take it to the uh, Pavarotti and Friends rating scale? Yeah. I might go first. I'm going to give this a. Uh, I'm going to give this a six out of twenty. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, you're not going to be spending. Too I'm not going to be spending. I I will not deep dive deep enough. You might just watch the two to, Ricky to Martin look, ones, and yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? Like a deep dive would be like spending enough time to see the lead singer of the Manchester Orchestra playing with the Pav. Right. Um, I'm not going to get that point. Okay, Jules. Look, I just thought it was pretty trashy, and um, I'd say about the same. Yeah. Six out of twenty. Yeah, show a bit of love on the engineering. People have put in, sure. put in a good well, effort here. Yeah, they they probably deserve more than that, but you know, whatever. It's going to be quite ironic that this will probably win like best rock album. Oh, it will for sure. It will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> we got <laughs> no. Dave Grohl's had an album out this year that wins. That's true. Away. That's true. Like, definitely, it'll be nominated though. Yeah, yeah, it probably will. Or American Music Awards. Yeah. Um. Hey, I'd like to go and play at Coachella or like. Of what, course, absolutely. Like I'd, I'd, I'd be down with that. Um, look, I'll give it a, like just for that moment, you know, of driving in suburbia with it, with the windows down and the stereo up loud. You've just turned, you've just like turned left at the Warrigal Road exit, just two <laughs> wheels. <laughs> I just like have a hand out the window. Yeah. Fuck you, Chadston. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it was, uh, it was a bit of that. No, um, I'll give it a slightly higher. I'll give it a, I'll give it nine. Okay. Four and a half. That's solid. That's solid. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was Manchester Orchestra's album. Uh, something of the gods. Some, yeah. Something God. Something. <laughs> a million, something. Something. A million, million masks. Faces. A million masks of God. Okay. We're back with our third album in just a sec.
Our third album for the week is Menahan Street Band's 2021 release, The Exciting Sounds of the Menahan Street Band. Are you as excited about this as you were about the Budos I'm album? I'm more or, excited or more about excited. this. Okay. More excited about this. Well, will we have to hear the time that you went and crashed Aptone in this no, story? No, no, I'm not, I don't okay. know. If, this is not about me. Okay, this cool. is about Tommy. <laughs> okay. This is about TNT. Manhattan Street Band is a Brooklyn, New York-based instrumental band formed in 2007 that plays funk and soul music. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> the, the, this is off Wikipedia. <laughs> the band features musicians from Angie Ballas, L. Michaels Affair, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and the Budos Band. The group was founded by Thomas Brennick while living in an apartment on Menahan Street in the Brooklyn neighborhood of Bushwick. Their debut album, Make the Road by Walking, was released in 2008 on uh, Dunham Records, which is a sub-label of Daptone Records. Um, a bit about the what you know the claim on that record. Various songs from that album were sampled by hip-hop artists, including the title track, which was sampled by Jay-Z. And that was sampled on the Rock Boys and The Winner Is, which I believe led to Tommy Brennick having enough money from royalties to build Dunham Records Studio. Um, and then Going the Distance, which was sampled by Kid Cudi. Um, and 50 Cent sampled something. And everyone just basically sampled it because it's fucking amazing. Um, they, after a 10-year hiatus, the band, the band announced... Uh, well, I should mention this is not on the Wikipedia page, but the band then ended up becoming the Charles Bradley Band. Of course. So they uh, they recorded all the Charles Bradley records and then toured with Charles. Mm. And then, of course, sadly, we lost Charles Bradley a few years ago. Um, but after a 10-year hiatus, the band announced that they had a new album, The Exciting Sounds of the Manhattan Street Band, which was released in February this year. Um, the members of the Manhattan Street Band are Thomas Brennick, who's the band leader, of course, it's the band leader who's a guitar player. I mean, isn't that always the case? Um, we, you know, just throwing throw, throw back to my presumptions yeah. earlier. Of course. Um, Tommy Brennick on the guitar. Not with the Dab Kings, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Tommy, him and Homer. Like, yeah, him and Homer. Are, yeah, yeah. I would say Homer is also a band leader. Yeah. Uh, Dave Guy on the trumpet. Um, also the trumpet player in Saturday Night Live and with the Roots. Not Saturday Night Live, sorry. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Uh, Leon Michaels, saxophone, woodwind, organ. Nick Mofshon, bass, percussion, and Homer Steinweiss. Basically, it's kind of the L. Michaels affair. It's mm. the same band, um, but with a different band leader. Um, which, and different songwriters. And different songwriters. And, uh, you know, that's probably going to speak a lot to the review that I've given this. So, um, for those that have listened to uh, this podcast before, we've, re- we've reviewed the Budos Band record from 2020. We reviewed the L. Michaels record from 2020. Um, both of those reviews, uh, we did. Yeah, did we yeah. do L. Michaels? Yeah, we did. We did. Um, both of those records, uh, you know, I I gave glowing reviews for because I I have a massive bias towards this group. I I'm completely obsessed with them. I and I'm completely obsessed with the songwriting of Tommy Brennick, and you know Nick Mofshon on as a bass player and Homer Steinweiss. It's just as good as it gets. So as you know, when Manhattan Street Band record comes out, I'm you know I was uh, listening to this already on repeat since February, so I'm I'm really excited to be reviewing this. Um, so I'll just go through song by song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do, and then I'm gonna go verse by verse. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then chorus by chorus. So look, I mean, I did I didn't mark every song as a like, so I'll just mark through the songs that I that I put a big like next to. 
uh, Midnight Morning, um, which is our track one. So the horn line, um, unbelievable. Um, and I felt that like that horn line coupled with this kind of weird, wacky synth hinted that this was almost like a, you know, a meeting of the five families, so to speak, where where we're going to have the psychedelia of like Leon Michaels and his El Michaels Affair vibe and we're going to have the Menahan big horn section. I think when you say five, I think you're going to say the five boroughs. The five boroughs. Yeah, mm. good point. But they're all Staten Island, I think. Um, anyways, uh, immediately gave me like a kind of like tripped out, you know, late 1960s Audrey Hepburn film soundtrack, that first track. Uh, then we move along to Star Chaser and this is when it gets pretty fucking niche um, as a as a sworn, as a rusted on uh, yeah. Menahan Street Band, L. Michaels, Budosh Guy, yeah. um, was, uh, the, it kicks off and Tommy Brennick's rocking some heavy distortion on the guitar and Menahan's never had that in their uh, aesthetic. It's always been really clean. Um, so that, I was like, oh, that's a new, that's a new moment. And then, uh, you know, listening on monitors and also headphones, I listened to this actually on a flight from Sydney a couple of weeks ago and basically the stereo image of this record is just unreal. All the drums are panned hard left, all the percussion hard right, horns down the middle. And it's just a very brave way of making music given, you know, how much access people have to hi-fi and a million channels. Um, Cabin Fever, I just loved how awesome the guitar line was and it's just like right, like it kind of feels like a lead rhythm but it's, Mixed all the way back, and uh, oh, I've got a feeling Tommy would be on the V wire for that, which is like a Japanese wire pedal, yeah. wire distortion. Um, Queen's Highway, which is the song that you led in with. Uh, the guitar intro to me is one of the sweetest guitar lines I've heard written for many years. And then the melody on the guitar with that octave thing is just awesome. And I can imagine, like, you know, VCA guitar teachers you know, around the country going, well, this is definitely going to, should be part of the syllabus. Yeah, I can't imagine that, to be honest. <laughs> but, you know, it's good that you can. Thanks. I like the world that you live in. Thank you. Um, Snow Day, uh, again, just like Unreal Engineering. So basically it kicks off with like this really shitty acoustic guitar sound that's going straight down the middle. And then as the song kicks off, it just gets removed off the middle and goes straight to the right-hand side. And all these other things come into the middle of the stereo image. And I'm just like, that's just so fresh. I love it. Um, and then you've got the Duke, which is a fully vintage Daptones vibe. But then the cool thing about this was like, you know, it starts with like this key line that goes... And it just reminded me of like a like an Ill Communication Beastie Boys kind of Hammond thing. And, uh, you know, I like that. It was almost like a throwback to the Beastie Boys, which I, I was into. Um, I think you're singing Tramp there by Otis and Carla Thomas. Oh, oh is that actually? Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you. Yep. So that that's not an original line? No. no. Okay, thank you. That's great. Thanks for correcting that. Well, I think that. Beasties might have played it in something like Sounds Out There as well. I don't know. Gotcha. It was in late, it was, it was like late Sounds Away Out. Sounds Way Out, yeah. Okay, well, that's why it sounded like the Beastie Boys because it was not no one's song. <laughs> I love when you remember stuff. Like, I totally, like, I know that riff, but I just, yeah, I yeah. can never pick who, like, oh, it's by such and such and such and such. I'd be a really shit DJ on the radio <laughs> just not remembering facts. But yeah, that's okay. Well, that, color. That's it. Thank you for that. And then, uh, stepping, stepping Through the Shadows, I just loved how cool the drums sounded. It, like, 
Um, it sounded like a slowed down tape. Um, and the drums and the synth, I just loved. They're super bent. And I think as I listened to this album for the thousandth time this year, I actually think Stepping Through the Shadows is the track. If I'm going to call a track, that's the one to get down to. Mm-hmm. And then there's a choir in the middle of the song, which is super cinematic and very non-Menahan, which I loved. And then uh, Devil's Respite was just, you know, a quintessential Menahan, uh, Menahan Street Band kind of track. So loved it. That's that's my deep dive on the on the record. Who wants to go next? Uh, oh, yeah, up to you, sir. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go for it. it. Like, is it wrong to start a review with the things that I've come to dislike about Daptone is <laughs> dot dot dot? Like, is but they're that... not Daptone ones. No, okay, sorry, sorry. Well, I mean, they're in the family, aren't they? Like, sure. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah. the aesthetics. I mean, you know yeah. what? Like, there would not oh, don't, be. Don't get oh, angry. Oh, like, no, no, no. What I'm going to say is this. <laughs> what I'm going to say is this: that like, I'm actually super down. Like, if you're going to Take a I'm not going to take it down. Daptone Records. We might be the only like music review space in the world that like actually actively goes after them. So like, I'm not going go after, there. I'm not going after them. But like, I I was not looking forward to listening to this album. I, like I'm going to be really honest. Um, and it's not because I don't like the band. Like like I'm a big fan of Daptone and all that they've done and, and or you know Dunham and L Michaels and whatever Soulfire and all those guys. But like they've the, the thing that was creeping in, and I think we've talked about it before when we reviewed the Budos record last year, is it's the production aesthetic. Like it seemed to be more important to get the production right than the actual songs. Um, that's what I've always felt, and and songwriting in general. And the thing for me was that I was actually having difficulties dealing with the production itself going back, and like it's so like the mix EQ on a lot of like the later. Dap King stuff and some of the Budos stuff, like it's so tinny and trashy that I actually struggled to listen to it sometimes. Like, like putting it on the headphones, like it actually like gives me a, a bit of a headache. And so, like in trying to nail that old school vibe, like they, 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 I think they gone, they've gone too far, and they've also stopped sort of thinking about the songwriting a little bit. Like, I mean, that's really unfair, and that's because re- I love these guys, and like I, I, I love their mantra and everything about it, but. Yeah, just some of the trashiness. Like I found it really hard to listen to. Are you um, talking about this record in particular? Or no, no, talking... no. I'm just talking about previously, previously. Okay. Yep, so yep, I just yep. want to go back and lay some groundwork for <laughs> where I'm going. Um, and and I think we've also discussed how bands like like Krungbun and and like to a lesser extent like bands like Bad Bad Not Good and things like that like had Price dri- Chef. Had, yeah, yeah. Have driven that instrumental cinematic genre like to a to a, a different level. Yeah. So so I left listening to this album last as a result of all those sort of things that, you know, I've just talked about. So, like, yeah, I put it on and straight away I thought, it sounds good. Like, it sounds good, um, like, really good. Like, the mix had all the vintage tones. The panning was beautiful. Like, how they placed stuff, you know, in, on, in you know, the stereo sort of width. Um, and it was no, there was no gradingness to it. It was smooth. It was listenable. And I'm probably underselling it. Like, I just think it sounds really, really good. I liked it. So that was great. Um, like, look, the songs, well, you know, if, like, if you like that Tarantino-esque cinematic funk with, you know, healthy doses of, you know, melodic horn lines. Who and doesn't? Gnarly for Feezer and, you know, fuzzed out lead guitars. Like, if that's your thing, then this album, like, is for you. It's for you, Arik. And, um... Like once upon a time, that was my thing, and I just don't think it is my thing anymore. And I just I don't know why I just don't connect with it as much as I did. 
Um, I don't know. I'm just, or maybe I'm looking for something more from these guys, like, you know, progressing forward rather than sort of, you know, just keeping working on this sort of same thing that they do, which is, you know, fair play to them because this is what they love doing and, and, and I'm good with that. Um, look, there was certain tracks that resonated. What was the Lady in the Rain or something? What was that one? The, it was track two or three. I think it had a real Al Michael sort of vibe mm, to it. Which, second. second track? What's the second track? It's got like David Axelrod piano y. Yes. Boom, yeah, yeah. I like that. that. Like yes, that yeah, shadow had, had that sample. sort of 37th chamber sort of yeah. Wu Tang sort of vibes to it. I like that. Um, uh, Rainy Day Lady. Rainy Day Lady. I really like that song. And like the track that really resonated with me was like The Closer, which was There Was a Man, which is like obviously a homage to Charles Bradley because it's got him like doing his thing. Yeah. There's a sample of him at the start. And, and it also swings more than any of the other tracks. Like it's got a real swing to it. Mm. And um, had a lightness to it, and it had it actually had a positive vibe to it, um, which I was, it just sounded sunny and and hopeful and like when that was pre- like normally they just do this cinematic noir thing that like permeates the other songs. And I think I just get a bit a little bit tired of it, um, and I and I want the light and <laughs> light and shade. So yeah, it's Menahan Street Band doing really great what they do really well, and it sounds great. Okay. I, I don't know if I've been positive or no, not no, no, positive. No, no. I mean, I'm still I think working you've just it been out. Honest, yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, yeah, I think you have been. Let's go to Jules. Mm. Yeah, loved it. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for, um, you know, getting me to listen to it because I'm not sure I would have known it, it existed yeah. if, if not. Um, yeah, panning, amazing. Mm. Masterclass in panning. Right? Yep. Loved it. Um, yeah, that rainy day tune. These are my notes mm. and my. Just general and thoughts. thoughts as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just riffing. <laughs> Someone made notes for me. I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. Out. Um, <laughs> your publicist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Star Chaser tune I thought was a little bit too much for me. That was the one tune that was a bit too Starsky and Hutch. Like, okay, like, like it almost, was a little, almost like taking the piss a bit. Yeah, it was just like it went a little bit far and like amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, all the playing, all the sounds, mm. all the recording is stellar. Like. It does shake you out of like what they do, how they set up the first two, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I would almost, I personally would love a record that was all just like chill okay. or all banger. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't usually say that about a band, about a band, but for instrumental music, sometimes you just want to set a tone mm-hmm. and like leave it, yeah. and you're like, you're setting a tone, and I'm fucking vibing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. You just like, yeah. The world's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, standout track was "Rising Dawn," I believe, with the okay. rain, with the field recording at the start and at the end. Yep. Uh huh. And the fuzz is crazy. Like yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge lover of fuzz. Yeah. And that that took me there. And uh, like all the yeah, the guitar playing is heavy. Um, so this not headphones or monitors? Uh, I'll, no monitors. In the car and on my shitty iPhone uh-huh. okay. headphones, which I actually like. Those yeah, yeah, no, that's just, cool. Um, mm. yeah, cool. Had you gotten down with these guys before? Is Absolutely, some... yeah. Um, well, it's been ten we... years since they've had a record out. For yeah, sure, they've only done yeah, one, like a decade. We did a bit of touring with them with Charles Bradley and the men with the Clary Brand. Yeah, band right. As well, we did like Australian touring Unreal. stuff, and they were amazing. Did you get they... to hang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were amazing great guy like, what'd you like about them like live or just you know what, um what? <laughs> i mean what's not to like you know they're just like like 
I, don't, I mean, Charles Bradley, that was just an experience. So it, yeah. was, it was just like a next level experience. Good of, with the hugs too. Oh, what a lover. Yeah. Just, just so soulful and so beautiful. And um, yeah, they're just all like awesome music nerds. Like, you know, there's nothing, they're not like trying to be the coolest fucking kids on the block. Yeah. They're just fucking legends that play music yeah. and nail it. And in, in like that live set, I guess because, you know, there's such a focus on the sound of things in their records. And I guess you would have been sharing backline with those guys, right? Yeah. So we've we'll just been all shared sound. So it's just really about the sound of the instruments. Absolutely. So like the tricks in the studio, right? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I do um, did notice there was a bit more of a psychedelic element mm. in, some, in this record, which I love, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Anything like that is... Yep, bring it on. Um, yeah, I actually heard Surprise Chef last night. Jazz Party played in Ballarat in the Rat. Oh, wow. Oh. And they were cranking Surprise Chef. It's fucking good, man. That shit is fucking dope. Yeah, yeah, they're just upstairs. Yeah, yeah, awesome. They are Big unreal. props to those people. Props to those guys. Um, and when I was listening, I was a bit like, oh, I think I'd actually rather listen to Surprise Chef. Well, this is kind of... <laughs> this, yeah. Go on to what I'm saying. Yeah. So... so Just like, thought it feels a bit more fresh to me. Like Exactly. So yeah. so talk us through that, guys, because that's like... You, you've mentioned that a few times with, with not just this group, but just overall, like there's like young kids coming through that like have been inspired by these old older musicians, but the, but they've also been inspired by like a hundred million other things, you know. Mm. This is not really fair, but like it still feels like these guys are writing a soundtrack to the next Tarantino film. Like they're really they're stuck in this aesthetic. Like they're right. It feels like they're writing it for a reason. Not, I don't know. They just is it. Uh, uh, I can't really put my finger on it to be to be but completely like, but fair. But like Karangaban, Surprise Chef, as good examples. There's um, a freeness like, to I mean, that like, stuff. Like, like they're, they're making the, this, the music they're making because of these bands, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, chase, you know, I, I don't want to speak on their behalf because I don't know exactly the, what's going on in the background, but like chasing that sound that like these guys have kind of set up for everybody. And But it's informed by not just that. It's informed by other stuff. Whereas you could argue that like the Men in the Street Band, the Budos and everything that out of Dap Tones it's not chasing any sound that's currently happening. It's chasing an, a sound that happened. So it maybe it doesn't progress beyond that kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't agree with either of you. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Look, when you when we heard this at the start of the you know reviewing yeah. this and it was on the headphones, I was like, "This is sick. Yeah, I yeah. love this. This is awesome." Maybe I didn't, you know, I should have yeah, given is it. Is it sick for like forty five minutes or? You know, have you just gone 30 seconds like, yeah, this is sick. And it is yeah. sick, you know. But then, you know, you've it continues on. And it's like, yeah, maybe like it isn't sick. I don't know. Look, I've yeah, it's an excellently played, excellently recorded <laughs> record. They they kill it. Yeah. They kill it. They do their thing. And that's, the you know, but, but much like, um, they do their thing. Much yeah. like Manchester Orchestra kill it, you know, sonically. And, <laughs> yeah, they... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kill it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's right. You just got to... <laughs> I don't know. Left us, uh, mm. left us really speechless, was it? <laughs> um, all right. Existential. Yeah. I like it. Like, I, like yeah, I think... I, I, just the fact that I can sonically put it on the headphones and listen to it, like, that, for me, that's a big that's thing. That's a win. Because that, it wasn't a win, and I was scared that it wasn't going to be. Yeah. 
All right, well, why don't we take it to the rating scale? I might go first as, uh, uh, look, I'm just going to go out there and, and give this 18, 18 hours of uh, PAV research. Okay. Uh, I love That's this. That's a wasted week. Yeah. I love this. I've listened to this album more than any other album that, this year. Uh, I, I reckon it's just going to be, it's just always on. You know what I mean? It, mm. uh, I love it. Um that's, that's all I can say about that. Okay, I'm going to give it a 12, 12 listening hours this week, which is a solid six. So it's probably not going to make it into our album of the year category just by the fact well, that I just gave depends. it that. <laughs> right. The veto power. We've still got chills. <laughs> I don't know. I've, just, mm. I've dragged it down. Mm. Um, look, it's, yeah, oh, look, if it came on like before a gig, um, oh, you'd be vibing. A gig, like I'd be cool. Like, oh, you'd yeah, be really it's vibing. real good music to play before a gig to come on. Yeah, absolutely. That's saying something. That's a solid twelve. All Jules. Right. Uh, can I give it sixteen and a half? Yeah, you can totally. Yeah, I reckon that's where I'm at. Okay, sixteen um, and a half. Hours I thought it was excellent. They they, they nail it, but it does it. You know, I probably won't get, listen to moved? it next month. Yeah. Did you feel emotional? Doesn't give me um, the feels. I, I I got excited. Yeah. Um. But I'm not sure I'll go back to it um, because it's 2021 and I don't have an attention span and anything. Yeah. And yeah. like, if I had it on vinyl, I'd play it. Yep. Yeah, okay. but um, like, I'd play it more often okay. than on Spotify. Yep, for whatever weird reason that is. Yep. yep. But um, yeah, excellent record. They nailed it. Good on them. Love them. Excellent. Done. Sixteen but, and a half. Yeah. Yep. Six and a half. Twelve and. 18 out of 20. 20. Yeah, that was... For uh, the Menahan Street Band, the sounds of the Menahan Street... The exciting sounds of the Menahan Street Band. All right, we're back with our last album in just a minute. Our fourth album for this week is titled Juru, and it's by the artist named Balake Sissoko. So Balake Sissoko is of the hereditary Monday musicians called Jelly, a term he refers to in French, or it's also called Griot, who trace their lineage back to the founding of the Monday Empire of Sundiata Keita in around 1235. Um, this is also taken... This is actually, no, this is not taken from Wikipedia. This is actually taken from uh, a Guardian article. Uh, in 1961, following Mali's declaration of independence from France, the country's first president, Madiba Keita, founded the Ensemble Instrumental National de du Mali as a nation-building cultural showcase. Um, I guess 
a lot of this choral music is kind of informed by people that have come before. So, um, Balaki Soko speaks a little bit about some of the kind of founding people in his world around the music that he made. And he cites uh, two artists, one by the name of Jelimade and Siddiqui Diabate, who came from Gambia um, to play in an ensemble. And they so impressed the country's then president, Keita, that they were given a plot of land to share beneath the presidential palace. Tumani uh, was born in 1965. He's another big kind of heavyweight in the chorus space. And then Balake in 1967. Um, and this is what Balake says. Almost every evening our fathers would play before us. And that's how we learned, he said, by listening without touching the instruments. They witnessed their fathers make history with their joint 1970 album, Chorus Ancienes. Uh, which means Ancient Strings, the first instrumental choral recording. In 1999, Tumane and Sissoko released their album New Ancient Strings in response, which is pretty fucking cool, the sons of the two f- founding fathers of the movement. Um, when Chimade died in 1991, the ensemble director decided that Balake would take his place and that he could earn a government salary and look after his family. And he, at that at time, he was 13 years old. How cool is that? <laughs> Amazing. Imagine if that happened here. Right? <laughs> So he credits this event for his ability to calmly deal with whatever life throws at him. And he says, in our culture, you know, we adopt, he says. Here you'd say, oh, he's too young. You can't give him that responsibility. And he says, it's not like that in Africa. As an oldest son, I didn't have a choice. The weight of that responsibility and the pain of my father's passing dawned on me slowly as I grew older. To begin with, he was happy just to play. And he said, the Korah has always done me good, first and foremost. That feeling is what I share with whomever uh, is listening. And much has been made about the international partnerships that have punctuated Sissoko's career. He's worked with renowned players of the Cretan Lira, the Moroccan Oud, the Malagasy Valiha, the Chinese Pipa, the Piano and the Blues. Um, as a side note, last February, Sissoko was touring and he was on a flight and his, uh, his Cora was disassembled on a flight home to Paris. Um, what do you mean? Uh, basically, border officials in New York had dismantled his Cora. The neck bridge... Was it his dad's Cora? Uh, yeah, it's like a lineage instrument. Oh, that's ridiculous. Horrible. Um, the neck bridge strings and custom-built pickup had been removed from the body made of a calabash and parchment. The instrument was beyond repair and made headlines around the world. Um, and apparently... I mean, this this it created such a, a stir that... Um, but like Sissoko did a GoFundMe campaign to build a new Cora and, and it was obviously picked up internationally and he was able to build something new but it is an incredibly sad story Yeah. Um, when you think you know just in light of the backstory of how this lineage has literally been passed down from 1235 wow um, till today Whoa. you know um, so that I guess gives some context as to how we look at this album and it doesn't mean we have to be more or less sensitive to it, but we're just going to, I guess, place it within how we absorbed it, right? So is this album with the new Cora? It's with the new Cora. Okay. Um, look, to me, uh, it was just like I put it on and like it was like, you know, raining outside Sunday afternoon and I was like, okay, well, this is one of those albums that's going to stay with me for the rest of the year. And it just, you know, felt really just beautiful i loved it um uh 
you know, I, there, there's often a kind of I get nervous with these sort of like out uh, like out you know albums that like I guess are African made albums that have this crossover European audience. Well, no, I, I should correct myself. He's French, like he's living in France from a you know Senegalese Gambian background, but there's there's always a nerve. Like I get nervous when it's like a you know African African kind of heritage album created in a European context because I go oh fuck it's gonna like hit the fusion vibe and and I get and I always get nervous about that because I hate fusion music um <laughs> I, I, just, I hate it mm. um often you know the chorus is such a beautiful instrument that let, let's just hear the chorus you know let's not fuck it up um. But this album, like, did all the things that I often cringe at, but did it beautifully. Um, my three favorite songs was the first one was called Jesur la Symphonie Fantastique. And it's basically, it, it includes a chora, cello, and clarinet. And it felt those, both the cello and the clarinet felt that they organically sat within the composition, like it was legitimately a part of the work as opposed to being dumped on over the top of a Cora. I love that. Um, and then there was a song Cora featuring Camille, um, who's just, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all familiar with Camille. Yeah, yeah. She did those vocal records. The vocal yeah. records. Exactly. Yeah. And, with um, the drone and the drone. Exactly. And, um, and it just made me go, fuck, you know, sometimes guest appearance on albums just reminds you of artists that you've always loved, but haven't heard or visited for a while. And, hearing her voice show up on this record was like, oh man, I love Camille. And mm. this is such a perfect fit for this for this song. Um, and the way I felt Camille's vocal worked with the chorus was that like her vocal just hugged you. Like it just you just felt safe and hugged by Camille. And then uh, the third track that I really liked was um, Khadija featuring yeah. a vocalist called Piers Fanici. And I just, you know, I wish I understood French and I wish I understood the lyrics, but... I just love the melody of it. And um, overall, like, I absolutely love this album. I'm going to listen to it a lot this year. And uh, beautiful record. Yeah, thanks, guys, again, for introducing me to a record that I wouldn't have known about. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, obviously. It's beautiful music. Mm, mm. Put it on in the morning and you just feel better. You just feel better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's light and just glorious. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about you know choral music so i don't have much to yeah i feel exactly the same because yeah what what, what do i know about um senegalese gambian chora players and the lineage of the yeah. like i mean i uh, exactly like jules like it's it's a beautiful album to listen to um the Kadesia song, yeah, was my favourite as well, like you, Arik. Um, the one thing I found interesting <laughs> was that I did, like I did a little bit of research on it and I came across a Guardian article and I think it was a Guardian review. I don't know if you looked at that one, Arik, but it gave it four out of five stars. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll read down and see what they got out of it. about like someone rapping on it? It talked about, <laughs> it talked about everything but the what Gora. the music was oh, yeah. Yeah, about 100%. the music. And it was like, this is really strange, like... It was, but maybe they saw it exactly the same as me. Like I don't know how to describe it. I don't know mm. how to put into context what's going on here. I just know I like it and I really like it, so I'm yeah. gonna give it four out of five. But just the article yeah. in general could not put it into any musical context whatsoever. Mm. It was really strange. It is, uh, but but perhaps like 
They could have just said that though, you know, rather yeah. than tried to like quote all this other stuff to make it feel like they've padded out the article. I'm not having a go at this journalist or this this um, newspaper, but it was just a strange way of reviewing it an would, album. It'd be I'd be really interested to see what like a French review of this album would be versus like an English Guardian review or like a Marlian review. Yep. It, I, I guess it would probably be looking at such different things. I guess to, so. To a Guardian take you know what i mean it's it's, it's a pop it's, you know it, when i say it's a pop release it's a pop release in so much as sonia jabate's on it who is like a, you know massive big deal camille's on it hmm. so it's going to hit like pop reviewers as opposed to i guess you know disciples of cora based music potentially so we'll, we'll be seen in different lens um i guess like i mean if i wanted to put it into context like yeah this is like girls said like this would be an album i'll put on at a certain time of the day when I feel like listening to this sort of mm. music, like, you know, it just takes me away to a completely different place and a different world and a different reality. And that's that's beautiful. That's what music can make you do. Is it, it going to go on any of your Huntingdale golf course walks? It might go on a golf course walk. It might not go on a Southeastern Freeway. It's not going to go on a Friday night. Not, yeah. not smashing it. That won't be going that. Yeah. Fuck no, you, no, Chadston. No, no. Majesty Fucking o- Cora. Majesty Orchestra own that now. <laughs> That's right. Look, uh, look I, mean, I mean, is there anything else to say about it? I mean, I think it's pretty cut and dried. I think we all like it. Like, yeah. how do we review it? I don't even know if that's possible. Well, but, just, I mean, like, like, maybe you just look at your number as to like, how likely you are to revisit it this year. Yeah, Perhaps, like how, how likely would I like to see Ricky Martin two times and you know Lou Reed um, stare daggers at Luciano? Um, I think mm, well, let's just let's I think I'll land, it, I'll land it. Yeah, let's do it. I'll land in the middle and I'll say um, uh, fourteen. Fourteen? Yeah, fourteen out of twenty. I'll uh, <clears throat> I think I'll give it sixteen out of twenty. You know, it's gonna I'm gonna live with it. Um, it's not gonna be like. I, I, I can't imagine, I don't think it's going to be something that I'm like, oh, yeah, track six. Mm. You know what I mean? For it's, sure. Um, but, but it's just like, a, over, it's no a body angel of, work. of death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, you know, I, I can just, I can totally envision myself spending 45 minutes with this on a regular basis. So 16 yeah. for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely 16 and probably a bit more. Just because it's like it's just all beautifully done. Okay. Like it's all a bit, you know, like it's mastery. It is mastery. Yeah, you're it you're is. listening to something so special. Um. So I'll give it seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. The story is beautiful too. You know, it the, is a beautiful story. The, the I'm taking over from his father. That's amazing. Mm, I love mm, that. Mm, mm. Um. Okay. So that is a seventeen from Jules. A sixteen mm. from Arik and. A solid 14. And the bit of fretless bass on the Camille track. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was, that was solid. Uh, well, he picked up that there That's was what, some fretless uh, bass, but no, no Hofner. Didn't need yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like to bass. Look, I'm, I'm, that's, where, that's where I'm tuned in right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm thinking about fretless. It's a dark time. Well, speaking of fretless, Jules, it's, uh, you, you know, Perhaps you are fretless yourself, you know. I try to be. Yeah, I really do. You know. Yeah. Um, it's the notes between the notes. It's the notes between the notes. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you here with us tonight, uh, reviewing records. Um, before we leave, anything we should look out for coming up? Gigs. Mm. Mm. Lots of them, I'm guessing. Yeah, Probably. Not a- sure. I've just. I feel like I've just done a bunch. Um, 
Yeah, Jazz Party's going to Broad Beach Blues Festival. Oh, so nice. any of you Broad Beach blues Crew. lovers out there, yeah, come yeah. down to the festival this weekend. All right. Which and will look, be like the 21st and 22nd, I think. Oh, some Gold Coast go. vibes. Well, look, Love anyone it. looking to know what Jules is up to, you can you can find him on 25 different social media platforms. <laughs> I'm not yeah. on, yeah. <laughs> um, Just check it out. He's on TikTok. He's on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. He's on Twitter. Yeah. He's on Twitch. <laughs> In um, MySpace, I think your MySpace is still operational. I'm sure. Probably got some old bangers on there. Yeah, got some. Something, got the big hits. Mm. Um, Jules, it's been an absolute. Oh, pleasure. guys, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's been so excellent. great to have you, thanks, Jules. Will, um, thanks for introducing me to some excellent stuff. Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll right. see you next week. Was uh, um mate, you know, as always. Yes, the negging was at a reasonable level this week. The negging was the negging was reasonable. Yeah. Um, look, it's been great spending time with you. Uh, we'll uh, let's have some snakes and let's have, some, have snakes. some wine, and then let's, uh, let's take it home. Sunday night special. Sunday night special. We'll see you guys next week on the All Music Is Good podcast. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>